everybody's watching March Madness. I take it, yeah. I'm I'm mad no, every I'm mad every month of the year. I don't. I no don't one need else any. was. You're not shocked by San Diego State just creeping in. I know yeah. the Kings won and Pittsburgh Penguins won the other night, but that's oh here we go. I watched <laughs> I watched the more important part of March Madness, the NIT you know championship. So what's the NIT championship? It's the participation trophy of March Madness. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the people that couldn't that weren't good enough to get ranked. <laughs> so wow. they have a so, so they just, for it. So they just get their uh, awards based on their wit. So it's the Nitwit Award. Yes. No. <laughs> uh, what precipitated you getting involved in that? Um, I was at a bar and they were showing it, and so I was like, "Oh, oh cool! Okay. The participation trophy." It all makes so much sense to me now. <laughs> he was getting a drink on somewhere, and it just happened to be playing in the background, mm-hmm. which I think is basically you could attribute most of your education to that same fact. <laughs> I, I, I am an ASU student, so yeah. That, oh, you know what? Oh, I yeah. don't care. I don't care. I was an I, ASU I mean, student. So. Yeah, I cease to be affiliated, so I mean, I'm I'm past the point of no return on this. What are Party they going to Yes. Expel me. I like to see them try. I've been there longer than anyone else has. <laughs> I got tenure. Dating President <laughs> Crow. The professors, yeah. I got tenure as a student. <laughs> I paid so much money in parking that I might as well have erected a whole entire <laughs> wing. They're going to name it after me. I am lot 59. They have named it after me. <laughs> Wow, that is a deep cut like Tempe joke that oh, very yeah. few people are going to appreciate. <laughs> but as someone who had to enjoy reciprocal parking from time to time, I have parked my fair share at Lot 59 have and fun walked with into the tw- middle of campus. Have fun with a 20-minute walk to anywhere. Exactly. Anywhere. In, in some of the most like aggressive and crazed driving that I have ever seen in my life. Because anybody on you know university is essentially out to commit vehicular manslaughter they're either trying to get themselves killed or trying to kill someone else so no doubt <laughs> if only doc were to join in uh, he could you uh, know criticize their technique yeah lot hey, well, 59 yeah i man i don't even get me started on my memories of lot man 59. if they had only <laughs> just laid that asphalt in a in a more straightforward fashion and you know the lines are crooked i got down and measured them myself i i had my Every ruler out spot. my compass and, 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 and uh, i believe yeah. regulations call for each parking space to be you know four feet wide and some mm-hmm. of those are 3.8 and that is just absurd and yeah, he would know he went to school for three years on that's parking right. space I, distances that's correct yeah i'm halfway to my journeyman as a parking maid meter maid <laughs> and your fafska ASCAB is uh just in the mail we're waiting for that to make it to you but <laughs> ooh, speaking of things that don't easily fit into a spot by the eternal <laughs> behold <laughs> It's the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. And I'm Michael. And I'm Michael. Oh, back on our sh- bullshit here. Okay. <laughs> I thought we nailed it. Oh. Well, allow me to be critical for once. Uh-oh. <laughs> I He's... think you might be able to marginally adjust your timing. Oh, I don't know. I think we nailed it. And speaking of nails, I would know. <laughs> I studied to be a carpenter, like Christ before me. The only two perfect people in existence, myself and the risen Lord. (laughs) I'm glad that my reputation precedes me. Indeed, yes. That's why we have you on the show. 
far from uh, perfect. In more news on purportedly magical Jews, Michael, I hear that you have some excellent news to <laughs> share with us uh, because we, we have alluded to the fact that uh, you are shaking the shackles of Ass University and uh, I'm sorry, ASU. And uh, you have some, some very interesting developments in your life that oh we get goodness. to share with the listening audience. Oh, that's so bizarre that I actually get to share that here. I've been ignoring it for so long. Um, I know. Like Bob Lazar before you. You're taking your talents to South Beach. Yes, exactly. South Beach University, SBU. Uh, No, I I got a a great offer to do a summer internship at the Los Alamos National Laboratory, or LANL, uh, because it just rolls off the tongue, LANL. Um, Uh, How about Yanni? Yanni? (laughs) Yanni or LANL? LANL. I like it. Both. Okay. Um, oh, you heard both. Okay, that's mm-hmm. impressive. Congratulations, exactly. sir. Did I did I date that too far back? For... No, I got it. Okay, all I right, got all it. right. Yeah, Fabulous. you know the, but, yes. the dress is blue green, in my opinion. So, uh, so yes, yes, yes. Aquamarine. That's uh, mm. we'll go with that. No but gold. Yes, congratulations. No gold. Very excited for you. Yeah. So that will not in any way reflect this podcast in any way, shape, or form. Um, so I'm just gonna. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just i'm just gonna lead into reflect it i'm a physicist reflection is important you know yes i understand yeah that's how you and bob lazar both got into trouble Mm because those are not ufos it's it's just light reflecting off the swamp gas Mm -hmm. they're all weather balloons that we apparently now consider hostile targets so shoot those do we (laughs) We let them go halfway across the country first well you know we we want to make sure that we kill the right people when we blow them up Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh, my investment of time certainly was as long I, as it's not on the west coast time i'm happy was it i read that like one of those weather balloons was the first confirmed takedown of like one type of uh like aircraft or aircraft that we have it was like the first confirmed kill i can't remember the specifics but it was like one type of airplane that we use in the in the air force their only confirmed kill was an airplane or was one of those weather balloons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just find that absolutely hilarious. It's like a, you know, million dollar plane. And that's the first confirmed kill was it took down like. It's some- a shame that we, that the balloon couldn't have gone a little bit higher. Cause if it maybe like crossed a suit in a certain altitude, maybe this could have gone from the air force and been space forces first confirmed kill. True. Oh yeah. They, they need some more experience, you know, yeah, they, they need a they, win. Mm-hmm. Definitely need a W. Okay, well, first world problems. We're over here complaining about not having an appropriate amount of artillery being fired (laughs) off over our country. And meanwhile, (laughs) folks over in the Ukraine right now are looking forward to nuclear armament. So suppose perspective is interesting. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. uh, speaking of nuclear weapons, that is what Michael is going to be working on as he's moving over into LANL. Yeah, uh, from my understanding, yes, you're yeah. you're joining Oppenheimer's deadly regime over there. Exactly. So I I was kind of hinting things with the heavy water uh, episode, you know, and uh, we're going to be remaking the atomic bomb, atomic bomb two, electric boogaloo is is, is what the program is called. Mm-hmm. Um, very creative name, um, and I'm really excited to be part of it. And I'm going to be uh, test mining for uranium up here to to help make that a, a reality. So it's we're it's a full fledged frontal assault here. Exactly, and it's going to be fun. 
And I'm building my bomb shelter, which is why I was in the crawl space earlier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And, and critiquing all the carpentry that is going on underneath. Oh, dear. Here we go. As no gonna, in the pre-roll. Going to have a difficult time cuddling up with all the bodies down there, friend. But at least you'll be able to stay warm well, that's the for insulation. a that's the Exactly. That's the insulation. So this uh, summer internship, like how far – like what's the plan after that? Like once it's done – Man, you you always want like a five year plan from everybody. What are you stalling? The, uh, what's what's the next step in the process here? <laughs> Another well, five no, year plan. No, it's just a question I ask. It's what I think. Like I always develop plans where you, where for myself. Where do you myself. see yourself in five years, Doc? <laughs> so, like any superhero, I will take off the mantle. You know, place my my uniform on over the fireplace, and then retire back to civilian life. Mm-hmm. He's going to buy a recreational vehicle and will it to his daughter. Mm-hmm. That's the only uh, reasonable thing to do. Drive I, throughout the country or what is left of it. Mm-hmm. Following the bombs, yes. 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 Because well, the atomic bomb too, electric boogaloo, it's gonna be it's gonna be fire to, on to the quote subject, the youths. <laughs> on the subject of things going nuclear, I listened to last week's show, so uh, oh, no. <laughs> I can definitely speak to that, but uh, no, uh, I'm excited, one, because uh, I saw John Wick 4 last week, which I'm oh. not going to offer any review of oh. for the sake of offending someone's delicate sensibilities here. So I'm just going to keep my opinions to myself and let everybody else suss that out on their own. But they had the Oppenheimer trailer that went on before, and I was very excited. Ooh. But this it, it certainly speaks to... The audience, I believe that I was going to be ensconced in for the next three hours when we were sitting there and they were jubilantly thrilled over the film about the, what is it? It's a a Finnish person or a Swedish person who's just decimating Nazis. It is the next film that is from like the producers of John Wick. It's just a guy who's rolling around with a a shovel and a small dog, just dispatching Nazis en masse. (laughs) I okay, we'll have, we'll have to see if this. we can track this down for the the After Dark. I forget the title of the film, but okay. yeah, it's it's very gore heavy. There's people being sent to test fields for mines and then just blowing up and ragdolling. Oh, oh yeah. ragdolling? Okay. Uh huh. So as, the as a the audience student, I do enjoy a good ragdoll. So naturally, mm-hmm. one of my favorite Aerosmith songs. I, so. <laughs> Uh, at, in any event, uh, the, the crowd was raucous for that. Loved watching people be dismembered, but we get to, you know, Oppenheimer where we can wipe out, you know, whole swaths of people. And they're like, I don't want to see that. <laughs> the, the two gentlemen in front of me in particular were very vociferous and saying like, I don't know why anybody would want to watch that. Like, Hmm. Well, well <laughs> those who, who forget history are condemned to repeat it, so I can see why you'd be wanting to run away from it. I mean, the atomic bomb version 1.0 didn't really dismember or ragdoll anyone. It kind of just vaporized them, which is yeah. why I'm going in, uh, you know, this summer to help with the atomic bomb 2.0, oh. because one of the things that we want to focus on is ragdolling and dismemberment. We don't want to vaporize people because, like, you know... No one wants to see shadows on, you know, walls of where people used to be when the atomic uh-huh. bomb went off, right? Yeah. People want to see Ragdoll. That's why what, people love Shadow. What shape are day- you going for now? Because the mushroom cloud is so overdone. Well, <sighs> they're I think they're trying to model something on Goat Simulator, if I recall, because with all the ragdolling <laughs> that's gonna be happening, you want that's to a at good least reference. It, oh, thank you. That was a good simulation. They uh, uh so they actually had developed Goat Simulator uh for, you know, 
pre-tests long before I was involved on this project of mm-hmm. just like seeing how much like how a goat can be subjected to forces. And I think it is a very realistic physics simulator for goats being flung around. Um, so yeah, that was, that was actually a good callback. I don't, I don't even think I mentioned goat simulator. Well, um, I was interested in it because I initially thought it was goat stimulator. I had misread <laughs> oh. uh, and, uh, spent a little more time than I needed to on that, but you know, it was still fun. It, it happens more <laughs> often than you think, you know, mm-hmm. people just, they assume that there's a T in simulator and they just like, they're all in, they're all in. Like, I can't even tell you the, the other project that they had to scrap. Like an early access cow simulator, like ooh, that that too many people downloaded it and thought the wrong thing. Um, they even well, thought I, that they could practice it in real life. So there was like a large like um, there was a lot of people that were just stealing giant latex gloves in preparation for the game. <laughs> yeah, and, no, I was raised in rural Arizona. I I know all about stimulating cattle, and uh, I've been cow tipping. You're really milking Ooh. this for all it's worth, aren't you? Indeed. And I'm <laughs> no. lactose intolerant. Oh, but, no. Uh, that's why I pushed him over. <laughs> it, it was a milkshake. But on the subject of Oppenheimer and bracing for impact on that, pardon the pun, uh, I had gotten a little thought in my head. So when I used to reach out for initial conversations when I was on dating apps, I would ask about time travel. Oh, no. And if individuals could, in an 112263 of it all, head back in time, where would you like to go and what would you like to experience? I will throw that same thing because I know that we're all into history here. So for the uh, folks on the call, is there a segment of time, or at least in historical context, that you would be willing to go back and experience empirically? But bear in mind that I'm not sure would be able to get you back. So if you're going back, it's like a weeping angel touched you. You're just going to be there. We've absorbed your energy, and you just get to experience history from that point forward. Well, we I mean, still get to talk from a extreme position of privilege, because really we could get thrown back at any point, and the three of us are probably okay, whereas I think that stipulation there would significantly limit the choices for a large percentage of the population who would say, You do make I a fine point. Yes, I'd go back maybe within the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. Can I go forward? Can I go yeah. negative years in the past? Is that possible? Um, we don't have the technology yet, but we're still uh, trying. Well, if you if you drink long enough, Michael, which I believe has been your plan on along, you can still time travel. You just won't experience time the way everyone else has. It's, it's like, like you're going to be in stasis for at least eight to 12 hours. I was going to say it's like that movie click where he just keeps hitting the fast forward button. All of a sudden years pass by and you're like, well, how did that happen? Um, yeah, that, that, that's that been me. Um, <laughs> Doc, I think you should answer yours because I think mine based off of the conversation that we've had leading up to this point, is quite obvious. Oh, Michael's going to tell us when the Mongols ruled China. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Pre-roll. My one weakness. Oh, that's a really good question, Shane. I guess, I mean, it really depends, like, I guess, the mood that I'm in in any any particular day of the week, I suppose. I think that large, well, I guess, you wouldn't want to go the, see the Cherry Pop and Daddies right when they start. You wouldn't want to well, try and be one of them. Well, so to 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 backtrack here, you so you said observe it empirically. 
But then we also said you might get stuck back there. So I'm assuming that we're not just there as like an outside observer. Correct. Yeah. Right. I okay. Think- I think explaining a little bit of the plot of 1123, uh, sorry, 112263 might be a little bit more context just because well, that was the basis that you were forming the question around. The difficulty of that is that he can come back, however. So, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah I guess that, that is fair. He could reset. Yeah, I was more, you know, since we had been talking about Doctor Who recently and we were getting into the sci-fi of it all and we're talking about history, I do want there to be some stakes in the hypothetical here because, you you know, if it's just you can frivolously bop around through space and time. You can just keep resetting the day. Yeah, it can be a lot of fun and you get to just kind of enjoy everything as it happens. But I feel like putting that little bead and to the point that Doc was alluding to. Like, I would love for, I'll give you my example up front for the thing I think of. I'm a goon about the 1950s, just conceptually speaking. And that's one of the reasons 1122.63 and it really speak to me mm. is that it's kind of ensconced in that time. And it's, we always tend to look back on it as though it's like it's the, the photo album period for the United States because everything, oh, it's black and white and it's pristine. Everything's wonderful. But there's this really <laughs> insidious undercurrent of horrible things happening in America at that time. Ugh. And so it's very interesting, just sort of the juxtaposition of those two fronts within the u.s culture but also there's so many things happening just from a cultural standpoint of like music that starts to be made and movements that you get to see happen organically that if i was going to get stuck back there i would love to experience that i was like i would absolutely take a trip across the pond watch the first few performances of the pink floyd sound Ooh, and and okay. watch as that sort of morphed uh, i'd get to see black sabbath in its original incarnation you'd get to just kind of cherry pick moments that you know are upcoming but i would also be living in a world where we were going to have race riots yeah. and there's going to be a lot of civil unrest and a lot of really horrific experiences that would occur so you do kind of have to take the one with the others like as much as i would enjoy a lot of these things it's there's going to be some really difficult experiences but i would also bypass a couple world wars yeah and that's really yeah. nice so You'd and also I, we heavily benefit from the lack of stress that a lot of people would be suffering from back then in terms of having the the foreknowledge that you know the cuban missile crisis isn't going to amount to anything mm-hmm. there isn't you know everybody's having to worry about ducking under their desks and whatnot and that a, a nuclear bomb could you know happen at any time and you will know that that won't happen so you won't have that kind of overheaded fear that everybody kind of lived in and that's a cloud that was over everybody mm-hmm. unless we've created an alternate reality by going back in the time stream here which is you know all the uh, fun of yeah. physics that michael will be very timey tickled why by. me Lucy goosey well you know saddle theory and uh all those realities just crumbling in on one another oh so, there i got the eye roll well done okay i know i'm hitting the powerpoints so i think uh i think never mind to answer the the original question i think shane's i think your answer was very close to like i think that for me i'd either choose the 1950s um although i think that I would actually probably, I'm going to stick with the 1920s because I wouldn't want to go any further oh. back because going further back in time, like if it was just as an outside observer where I'm not like actively engaged with anybody there and have the easy ability to, you know, come back, I would love to like step into the 1850s, 1860s and see the build up mm-hmm. to like the Civil War and meet, you know, try to meet with leaders or at least observe the inner workings of what's going on there. But at mm-hmm. the same time, 
uh, if I don't have just an easy, you know, pantry way that I can walk through to come back to the present time, uh, I will immediately regret choosing the 1860s the moment I have to use a washroom. <laughs> the moment <laughs> so, you have a cold, like, yeah, ah, or, shit, yes. this is it, how I die. Exactly. And so I think the 1950s is a great choice, and I would want to choose that with the exception of if I stepped into the 1950s, then I will actively, like, be in, like, I'll still be alive and into spots that I have memories of currently. Like, I'll remember, like, you know, the, the late 80s and the 90s and stuff. Well, yes, true. Yeah. Potentially. Optimistically yeah. speaking. Yeah. True. The, yes. the potential exists where I could step into times that I have memories of. Mm-hmm. And so, although that, that, although that's exciting, I think that I'd rather kind of step back into the 1920s, avoid the horrors of World War One, engage in the roaring 20s, have the knowledge that the Great Depression is coming, the Wall Street market's going to crash, with that knowledge being able to pull my investments out early Barely avoid mm. starving. Yeah, October exactly. 27th. It sounds like a great time <laughs> to pull out now. That's right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, in uh, spite of the fact the banks are still probably going to collapse, however, you know, if you've got money in a mattress somewhere. But, uh, but the wealthy were still fine through the 30s and so mm-hmm. with that knowledge ahead of time i could you know still live a very comfortable life in the 30s and to the point that we talked about with the 50s i have the foreknowledge of like what's going to happen in, during world war ii be too old to worry about being drafted or anything by that point so i would <laughs> have that yeah so i wouldn't have that worry going on and i know uh-huh. that we would come out victorious assuming that you know my being there hasn't altered it somehow mm-hmm. and then i'd get to experience the 1950s and 60s and and really, just theoretically, anyways, assuming I, you know, have a good life. Uh, and then just when, you know, my natural life is probably petering out is the time period in which I wouldn't, I don't have any memories of currently. So to me, the 20s would be kind of the ideal because I could really hop in there. And I'd love to like see the, you know, the flapper dresses and, you know, the, the bootlegging that's going on and, uh, just all of that. And the music itself, I still love like the, the 1920s music and, and going into the hot jazz and, and moving into the thirties and forties and stuff. So I think, I think that's the earliest I'd go back. And you could see the formulation of the, the great American jazz band as uh, Michael is so fond of discussing. Well, they kind of started around a little bit earlier than that, if I, know, I recall I'm correctly. You can, you can like, you know, say that you listened to them before they were cool, you know, start the definition of a hipster early. The 1920s hipster. Oh, man. (laughs) How East Egg of you. Well, my my hat of choice would fit right in. Same with you, Shane, actually. Yeah. I I can be bald in any time period. It's, you know, thank you. I'm in our newspaper trailbilly. I thought, for some reason, I thought a a trilby. It's a pub cap for me. Thank you. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> that is not 1920s, thank you. That is late 1800s. Okay. Angry Irishmen, yes, which are timeless. Yeah. True. Any year. All right. Uh, so, Michael, ra- round it up here. What's what's going to happen? Well, I'm considering that we were talking about Oppenheimer, and you know, I'm I'm a I'm a slut for physics stuff. Uh, I actually would go to the 40s. I would want to be part of the uh, the Manhattan Project, even though I know that the outcome was really, really unfortunate, really bad. So before anyone starts saying anything about that. No one's listening. You're fine. Uh, that's fair. 
Um, <laughs> Wait, sorry. Did the premise involve us being able to like choose important events that we could interject ourselves into? Like, so you'd go back to the forties, but also get to put yourself on the Manhattan Project. Well, I well, think if you're going back to you know immerse yourself in that time, something that we're not talking about, I think is implicit in here is you do have, as you alluded to, a foreknowledge of of upcoming events. So uh, who's to say I can't say that I as I think there's a film where this happened fairly recently, like I I write every Beatles song that was ever penned. You can insert yourself and be yeah, and be ahead of the curve on a lot of these things. So I think Michael having one foreknowledge of you know current good point, good point. physical premises and things like this uh and and knowing some scientific principles that may have not been stumbled upon yet could probably fake some documentation and ingratiate himself with the folks on the manhattan project it's not outside their own possibility no that's a really good yeah. point and and even who knows you know if i if i want to try and be as optimistic as possible i can mm. even try and influence where the bomb is dropped like you know maybe it doesn't need to be dropped over a population center that kills tens of thousands of people maybe it just demonstrate like how a lot of people do nowadays where they just drop a bomb random places like like north korea just shooting missiles wherever they please as long well, as it doesn't kill anyone see, now, that like, would they be did test it yeah that, so. that would be fascinating though because yours like so Shane kind of just referenced stepping back into the 50s and kind of in, being able to view certain things. Yeah, I'd as say, all of mine yeah. are superficial, naturally. No, yeah, you know, we're once, not getting into substance. No, same with mine. Hey, mine going hey, into the 20s there, outside, a- of, outside of making myself wealthy and then just kind of like being uh, refraining from any action, I don't think that I would have too much dramatic impact either. But you bring a an in- really interesting point, Michael, because like if you were into a position where you could maybe choose a different location for the bomb, there could be – I, the, the implications of that could be fascinating because without that huge death toll and the kind of the horrific, you know, impact of that, would the USSR be as scared of like, you know, the, you know, the US and the, and the power of the bomb there if it was just mm-hmm. a test? Would the Cold War escalate further? You know, would it go to a hot war without that kind of scary threat uh, overhanging it? So that's. That's interesting. Or would Michael even survive? Because if he walks in with poorly fabricated papers, they'll just assume that he is a, a German spy <laughs> and just, just dispatch him immediately. <laughs> yes, Which true. would be quite hilarious. Like I'm like, all right, guys, I'm here to change history. And they're like, you're a spy. Like, Where were you born? Uh, uh, Peoria, Arizona. That doesn't exist. <laughs> There's like five so, people living there. It's a farming community. Get out of here. Yep. It's a, one of the things that I love that 112263 addresses is the idea that the past essentially is obdurate and does not want to be changed. And yeah. so if you start going in, that's probably why I think my my brain was kind of a little more catered to the fact of just being an observer and and sort of voyeuristically watching history pass by initially. But I think you would absolutely have difficulty refraining from trying to wriggle your finger in once or twice of just like, maybe we can change this or, hey, maybe I can get in front of this and I can invest in Microsoft before anybody else is paying attention, having just read The Dark Tower again recently. So (laughs) with your with your wanting to like be an observer, Shane, would any part of you or you, Michael, be tempted to like go back and you know, see your grandfather or grandmother and, you know, in a younger state. I think so. But I think there's, there's a portion of, 
wanting to travel and see new things and explore, you know, different experiences that if I have to backtrack to, you know, the great Appalachian Hills or, uh, you know, the area where I grew up, it's like, well, I, I know this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're interchangeable essentially, <laughs> at least from a mental standpoint. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I would probably want to go and see things that I hadn't already somewhat experienced, but yeah, eventually if I'd been there for long enough, uh, if I you know want to hang around and witness my own birth, then that might be a very interesting fly on the wall <laughs> scenario to kind of float in, see my father wringing his hands and like, I can't believe I did this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Why? It'd, it'd be interesting. So like, especially coming from my more recent and within the last year, really working towards, you know, trying to build like future wealth for like, you know, my daughter and stuff because mm. and not having any of that. I think that if I went back to the twenties, like my grandparents were born in like 47, I think. Um, and I only like knew them for the first 10 years or so of my life. So I'd be super tempted to like go visit my great grandparents and see the birth of, you know, my grandparents and then kind of, you know, see my grandfather when he's younger. And then, um, to your point of like, you know, seeing your father there, like I'd be kind of tempted to like peek in and see like what the relationship looked like between my mom and my dad. Cause he took off before I was born, but like before I was around in the belly, like, you know, how'd they get along and, and just kind of be the fly on the wall to witness that. And then probably try to, uh, take the dabblings of wealth that I gained from cashing out before the black, <laughs> before the wall street crash. And, uh, and then just pre-build that generational wealth so that, uh, Michael, little Michael there in the 1980s is already benefiting from all that instead of, <laughs> instead of being the cockroach commando. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting prospect to kind of throw on the wall and, and see what sticks and where your mind kind of goes. And it obviously, you know, I don't think that you could just walk back and be independently wealthy to just say like, yeah, wherever I wind up, I can get on a plane or, or jump on a boat and I'll be over in the UK and experience all these things. And also not thinking about what the political climates are worldwide as these things are going on. Cause you never know when you're going to run into a militaristic coup or some mm -hmm. other sort of difficult thing that I didn't pay attention to in history, but. I think the the primary thing that thrills me about the concept with 112263 versus today is I like the simplicity that is somewhat inherent. Now, you could call that ignorance if you want to by another name, but in a world where we're not connected by the Internet, where we don't have the, the telephonic, uh, you know, lines that are running all around the world where we still have to stroll into a library to look up information like i think there is a part of me that has seen that the leaps and bounds from the innovation on the electronic front that kind of would i would be interested to to see whether or not it was idyllic and as immersive or if we were better or worse to one another just on a sociological stance than i presume we are and that would be fascinating to me just from a stance of going back as someone who's just as an arbiter going, uh, you know, maybe anthropologically speaking, was the, you know, condition of socialism within the United States as bad as we thought it was at the time <laughs> and whether we interacted with one another a little bit better and seeing 
of course, the the racial distinctions and the class distinctions and all those things firsthand, uh, because there there's a lot of really gray underpinnings that happen over the course of that story. And at the same time, there's a lot of really wonderful spirit and characters that are there. And I think it's emblematic of every other experience we have where it's like, you're going to meet some really great people. You're going to meet some really horrible people. Mm -hmm. You're going to have some really wonderful experiences and you're going to meet some very insidious and horrible human beings over the course of that span. So just, it's, it's a fascinating thing to think of, but I think when information is not just so readily available at your fingertips to see how people actually interacted with one another at that time where you can't just immediately fact check. And since we're on a show where we talk about lying to one another routinely, kind of fascinating to see how knowing what the actualities are, if you get into a conversation with someone from the government, like, hey, so do you happen to have any paper clips laying around and watch someone's eyes kind of get wide? Like, what are you talking about? Oh, I have no idea. There are any German geneticists floating yeah. around behind these doors here? Mm. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, like you said, it's definitely an interesting thought piece because it's especially using 112263 as an example because uh, comparing that to like the back to the future side of the fence, right? Do you just go back and like, you know, pick up cheap meat and take advantage of the simplicity of life that, you know, mm. you can have the good quality food at a really cheap price and just indulge in like the, the simple life benefits of like 1122? Or do you bring an an almanac back with you and like know all the scores and, you know, bet on everything and cash in from that, uh, like the back to the future side. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's definitely an interesting swing. I think that if I was stuck in the past, uh, and couldn't come back, I think I would do the almanac. I think if I had the ability to just easily pop back, I think that I would do Stephen King's version Mm -hmm. where I would just go in there and indulge in the nice simplicities, but then be able to come back to the the modern trappings. Well, and they do the almanac in eleven twenty two sixty three as well as kind of like a ripcord of if you desperately need money, here are major sporting events that you can kind of bet on to kind of wiggle your way through. But even that, I feel that was one of the few things that the miniseries did really well was show just the side eye that would be cast at you as you're coming in as a fresh face that no one is familiar with, with no one to vouch for you. You don't have a line of credit that people can readily check. You don't have a credit score that anybody's keeping track of. You can make up a social security card if you need to. Like, so walking into a room with people who are known thugs and then having to try to masquerade in front of them, like, yeah, uh, I, I just, you know, babe in the woods here i just want to place a bet that seems completely outrageous to you for a ridiculous amount of money and you trust me to do this and will not do any horrible things to me And it's like the second you place the bet they're following you out of there yeah. so yeah it, there are interesting perils and pitfalls to a lot of this that you don't really think of until it's on its feet so just mm-hmm. fun thought exercise i wonder like do you think with kind of the evolution of technology since eleven twenty two? Um, do you think if he was writing it now, he, he would set it up perhaps where let's say you leave the pantry door slightly cracked. And so your Wi-Fi still picks up so you could walk around with your phone and have your Wi-Fi signal to pull it out and still Google whatever you want. So long as that pantry door is slightly ajar and you're within your Wi-Fi range or something. I, I find it a, a lot more fun 
to leave kind of the dark alleyways of your own ignorance present in the storytelling. Because yeah, if you have just kind of a rough and ready answer for everything where you can kind of like, oh, well, just let me look at, do- <laughs> please turn away, non-time traveler, while I pull out my, <laughs> pull out my magic material. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be a little, I, I think that's part of the, the joys of it is going back without having that entrapment where it's like, okay, I, I can't rely upon these things to help me. Like, you know, the calculator disease of, I can't do sums in my head because I'm so reliant on the technology. It would be nice to kind of get away from some of that. And as somebody who's trying to self-isolate as much as humanly possible these days, I think I like that kind of perspective of being able to just be anonymous and float back through time and see things purely as an observer, as opposed to feeling like I have an obligation to be involved in things because I'm just, yeah, I tripped through the rabbit hole and now I get to have fun and not pay attention to anybody. Yeah. And, and I thought 112263 came out like 10 15 years ago. Yeah, I think it was like it, wasn't, yeah, it was like 2009, yeah, 2011. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, there there was still those things in there, but I think the way that he had structured it um and not to get into any sort of connections to Dark Tower or any mm. of that because there are references to yes, Dark Tower. Are. Yeah. Um it it is a completely separate thing like light doesn't go in, like nothing really permeates. You can move yourself through, but I think from a purely literary standpoint, I agree with Shane in that he didn't really want there to be that sort of access and that once you go back, there's nothing leaking through. Mm-hmm. The only time something goes through is when someone walks through like um, like uh, those kind of curtains that kind of separate like frozen areas in like a store or like a, a big area. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like it's supposed to keep things from going in and out, like it's supposed to kind of insulated, the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes, insulated. So I think, like, because yeah, if you could just walk over there and just like Google some answers and stuff like that, like that kind of ruins any sort of preparation that he would do because that was like a big kind of deal, um, that that had to be addressed in that, yeah. like, he had to before he he was able to go back, sure, but when he went back, he had to, you know understand that once i go in time progresses for me normally because that Mm -hmm. was the main kicker was that right you know he can reset back to that time back to that exact time every time but he can't fast forward he has to start at that same point every time so if he wanted to go to 63 he had to uh, what was it that long yeah it was um, yeah he came in in 58 58 that's what it so was you got so it was five, five years, years of sticking yeah, around yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. like al had tried to game plan that as much as humanly possible and he was kind of standing on the shoulders of his preparation mm-hmm. to facilitate mm-hmm. his ability to navigate that but then the fact that he had to go in kind of semi-blind and then you do have the experimental phase where he wants to try impacting an event himself to see if it does change and what the repercussions are and all that it's, it's a really well done book it really is i agree you make a fun tangential sort of beeline, though, that I was thinking of as I read through the Dark Tower again, which is I've always kind of treated 112263 as a standalone story. Like I didn't like to think about the permutations, but I think the last time that I had read 112263, having read the Dark Tower and all the ephemera to completion is sitting here and going like, OK, so the yellow card man is wearing an overcoat that is shockingly similar to how the low men are described over the course of that story. And we are talking about doors 
that go to different times and places, which is something that is listed pretty thoroughly through the course of the Dark Tower storyline, particularly when you get into the Crimson King's men. And I'm like, that is fascinating if you're talking about this as being like a doorway that they weren't familiar with or a doorway that that was broken and malfunctioning and they knew that it was happening. So they just post up low men to try to, you know, monitor it. So you can treat it as a completely isolated story or you can loop it into Dark Tower lore and then start thinking about all of the different sort of sloughing that occurs from that in the story, uh, particularly when you relate it to like you are as a short story, which it like the mind reels. It's a lot of fun to play with. But I speak mostly to Michael. Did you get a chance to read that yet? Did you read you, you are? Yet? No, no, I had not. That was the I one have... where it was the Kindle that accesses material written on all oh, different planes of existence. And the low men showed about up. It. We had talked about it, but we I haven't read it. I, I haven't read any tangential things to the the Dark Tower series. Okay. I've only read that. Like I have a physical copy of Went Through the Keyhole yes. within arm's reach somewhere. Um, but I haven't sat and read it. Um, because I wanted to read some of the more tangential ones like uh, hearts in atlantis mm-hmm. um though i i bought it and i read it for a page and then i immediately bought night shift so that's what i'm currently reading through now Ooh. because uh uh children of the corn is in it and since there was a recent remake of it i wanted to read the actual story uh it's uh, it's it. excellent uh night shift is actually one of my favorite collections i think everything's eventual is probably still my fave in spite of the fact that i love uh, different seasons, which is kind of the one that's perennially referenced by everybody okay. as far as short story collections, because that mm. has uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank uh, Redemption oh. in it. Oh, that it does? Has, Ooh, yes, okay. that has the okay. body, which ah. is what was uh, Stand By Me, the film okay. was based okay. on. Okay. It has it was, apt yeah. pupil in it. And then Breathing Method. Uh, oh, my so goodness. So those are the four stories that are in that. And so it's kind of everybody's seminal short story. But mm-hmm. since I love 1408, and that's the story that really kind of got me immersed into the short story kick with Stephen King, I was like, yeah, everything eventual is probably still my, my Oh, favorite. I didn't know that was also – oh, my, I'm excited. I'm only I'm only in uh, – uh, I'm still in the first one, Jerusalem's Lot, uh, mm-hmm. which well, I didn't know I'm that's sorry. what Chapel for- Wait is – Yes, on, 1408 so. is in Everything's Eventual. It's not in uh, oh, Night okay, Shift. Okay, okay. That's my why bad. I was like, Everything's Eventual is still my favorite. But no, um, the Chapel Weight basis uh, running on that, like the Jerusalem's Lot is fascinating, particularly as like a prequel to Salem's Lot yeah. and seeing the connective tissue. And then you go back to the Dark Tower again. So mm-hmm. everything flows to the along the path of the beam as we know mm. all things serve mm. the beam so yeah really interesting phenomenal stuff sorry doc when we didn't move into a tangent was completely bypassing most of your knowledge at this point but uh yeah it's king is so much fun once you start getting layers deep no here. i'm excited about it i've bought a bunch of king stuff that's currently sitting on the kindle Ooh. but just untouched and has been for quite some time just because other things are pressing on the time that I, I wish that I had the uh, the time for it. But seeing your guys' excitement for it uh, is making me like, oh, man, I got to like charge up the Kindle and at least try to read. I really should just try to like even if it's just 10 minutes a night or something like that. Uh, it, it is worth it. And you'd be surprised how like especially like how engrossed you get in the book. Like because um, I it live in like right now. I finished uh, Carrie a couple weeks ago, and I hadn't even mentioned it to Shane yet. Um, and I would love to have a conversation on it. Um, 
but uh, it, it's it's really cool. It, like I was reading it when we were making the you know plug it up jokes. Uh-huh. So like it was perfect because I understood the book, the literary reference. Um, but yeah, like. <laughs> You say 10 minutes, but, like, when you start getting engrossed in a book, you'll read, and then you'll be like, oh, no, it's been 40. But then you'll be like, oh, it's it's fine, because well, it's enjoyable. So, yes and no. That's that's actually partially it, too, is that <laughs> is that uh, I know that I, I especially like that, because I'm usually at the, I have to know what happens next, or let mm. me get to the end of this chapter, or something like that. Uh, and then, oh, crap, that I can't leave right then. I got to know, like, the next, look, I'll read one more chapter, and then to your point, next thing I know, it's 45 minutes, an hour later, and uh, and that is actually part of what kind of stops me from <laughs> yeah, reinvesting. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> there is a Sarah Scribbles drawing that they have uh that's gonna be on the out of print tease that they used and it's one of my favorite images, which is uh it's kind of like an pointing to insomnia and she's like, Oh, I can't sleep. I'll just I'll read a couple chapters and it shows that it's dark, you know, and looking at the book and then the next <laughs> picture is the same picture essentially but the sun is peeking through and she's still reading the book and i was like yeah that's essentially me once once you get started because <laughs> as we joke like i if i get into a book and once the hooks get in like i have the worst problem pulling myself away from it this is why i wound up reading the outsider in a day and running through a lot of those other books at lightning breakneck speed like i i read the gunslinger basically overnight the last time I read it. Cause I started on I mean, the fair. 31st of December and was like, well, I'm just going to finish this before I go to bed. So yeah, it's, it's really difficult <laughs> for me to shake as well. But, uh, thankfully I had my, I did a little Lovecraft so that I knew they were shorter stories and I could kind of oh, yeah. sparse, uh, you know, a little bit in before I got back into King, but I think I've got bag of bones next. And then I've, Ooh. I've got, 12 books left, but I already pre-ordered the upcoming release this year, which, uh, if you're not familiar, Michael, get excited. Is it, is it, it's another Holly one, right? It is entitled Holly. It is. Yes. So I, uh, I have that pre-ordered that will be winging its way to me in September once that is released. So I'm going to try to get as much under my belt as I can before then. But, oh, (laughs) <laughs> a lot of fun. Still a lot of really fantastic sort of iconic books in front of me because I still have uh, Rose Matter. I have not read Dolores Claiborne's in there that I have not read yet. So there's still a lot of really fun material for me to peruse. But uh, see, look at that. We we get talking about time and all of a sudden we are it out passes. of it. It, it just what? slides by like uh, <laughs> crazy grains of sand through your fingers or sands mm. through the hourglass as it These were. These are the days of our lives. Thank you. As the world turns. And so <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, I, I think we've managed to, to prove the, the joys of being meandering of the mind here uh, once we get started talking we just can't stop it's a lot of fun so if you enjoyed yourselves here and we hope that you did uh you can express that to us like subscribe rate and review we would love to hear from you of course we do also have content on our social media that you can go and peruse there's a link in the show notes that'll take you to all of our irrelevant information there including our youtube material which we had last week's very fun spiritual exploration that we got to go into. Uh. But uh, I have a 
a future abstraction here that we can run for in that, um, Michael, are you familiar at all with the professional wrestler by the name of Bray Wyatt? No, that does not ring a bell. Well, uh, he is presently concocting a storyline which some people have indicated is on the run of a particular type of horror that you are very <gasps> thrilled with. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So he's doing sort of like week by week storytelling where he's parsing out little bits of a story. And there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who are likening it to uh, the the word just completely slipped my analog mind. Analog Thank you. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so some people are calling his storyline an attempted analog horror because he's oh. just bringing in a bunch of very vague references that you're going to have to see the whole rich tapestry before you can figure out what's going on. Is he still under the fiend character? No. So he he has started a whole subsection of that, which kind of alludes to the entities that gave the fiend its power initially and goes beyond Sister Abigail and all this other stuff. So there's a lot of stuff to get into with uh, setting up context, etc. But it would be very interesting to make Michael sit and have to watch these little vignettes and, you know, try to gauge context. Because I'm not sure how much of the uh, Firefly Funhouse we can get Michael to sit through. But the Firefly Funhouse has made a return in the most recent iteration here. Uh, And it's, yeah, it's a little bizarre. But it's a lot of fun. The costuming is interesting. And I he's a fantastic actor just to carry off a lot of this stuff. But it is a little meandering. And you don't get a decent idea where it's going but slow burns slow burns exactly you know people call them nowadays so it's okay and it leads to very fun things (laughs) like they had the uh the mountain dew themed lights out match uh where (laughs) he came out in some weird like day glow material so that it had a design that you know was pushed onto his face when they turned the black light on which was very entertaining but uh <laughs> matches are abysmal concept is fun to pay attention to and there's where you find the rub of but, course uh, well, you've got so. that as a future after dark and then i believe your uh fellow with the dog killing nazis the trailer for that indeed yes yeah, we will have okay. to find that and i might even have an episode or two in the works here so uh, i had a couple of ideas that that sprang to mind as i was floating around one of which was a discussion about oh no michael's doing his I got, goosebumps, I, got goosebumps. Oh, no. I, I literally got goosebumps <laughs> I, 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 Ooh. We, uh, I have been watching a lot of, and it's interesting we got into this thankfully we are not stuck with a time limit but i will sort of tease something going forward and i had meant to talk about it but we got on such a great tangent with the time travel question that we just never got back around to this but uh i in reviewing some material i'm listening to uh the coverage of the west memphis three that last podcast did which brought up a lot of discussion about the satanic panic and the sort of fallout that was triggered by it since these are children who were viewed by small town Arkansas folk as being Satanists, even though they were just, you know, goth kids who were (laughs) fond of, you know, mother deities, etc. And were accused of murder with absolutely no context. If you're not familiar, I'm not sure how much time you've spent or if you encountered it during your research. Okay, It sounds familiar, but not 100%. Well, it'd be an interesting uh, discussion if you get a wild hair, since I know you spent a lot of time looking at the Satanic Panic, but they Mm -hmm. also brought up in the course of that discussion i had just watched the 
Night Stalker documentary on Netflix, and Richard Ramirez is another individual that people point to as a tipping point for the satanic panic because he was drawing pentagrams at uh, his crime scenes and during his trial would yell out, Hail Satan. Uh, he made people... Uh, say you know swear to satan as opposed to saying swear to god and played up a lot of his links and they claimed that is another major sort of undulation huh. that pushed forward the satanic panic because you have a serial killer who claims that he is being motivated by satan to murder and so interesting facets that we didn't talk about at all i think in the course of your episode which no. would be fun for yeah. discussion's sake Ooh, that would be really cool like mm-hmm. to delve into like precursors to the panic mm-hmm. as opposed to talking about like the main tipping like the main inciting incident Correct. to see what led up to it i like that i think and, that'd be you know, really cool the reverberations from it as well so yes. as it was happening how it spitballed and went in other directions as opposed to just you know how it impacts D. it also impacts a lot of other things with people you know being tried for crimes that they absolutely you know Depending upon what your perspective is, they did not commit. But uh, some mm-hmm. really grisly stuff, uh, atrocities, but, you know, where you can pin culprits for just saying, oh, he's a Satanist. Mm-hmm. And if someone's being incendiary and leaning into it as a Satanist would tend to do, it, how quickly people are, <laughs> uh, you know, rushing to condemn them. But mm-hmm. uh, in any event, so that was one thing. And then Ooh, as I was okay. looking in the course of that, I... Uh, there was a discussion about the last meals for inmates on death row mm-hmm. oh, okay. and the history of that. And I went, wow, that would be a fun topic to get yeah. into because uh, it's something that is still somewhat ongoing, but not necessarily in all places, because in case you didn't know, they don't do it in Texas anymore. Uh, and there's and, a very fun story for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and there's like dollar caps. We are yes. refusing to do that in Arizona as well. Yes, and then there's some places that cap it at like forty dollars. There's some places that cap it at twenty. So mm-hmm. I mean, you're basically yeah. It's it's a fascinating a subject. Wow. Yeah, so, I, I, I know that a few states have the twenty dollar cap, and it's like, well, it's not really much of a last meal than right yeah, on twenty you, bucks. You can get yeah. a pizza maybe, and then you you know, hopefully you don't tip. But yeah, exactly. uh, so, it always uh, amused me like with the people that deny their lasting or like, you know, have a choice of whatever and then have like and only eat a scoop of vanilla ice cream, for instance. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. One of the killers did that. The and- reason that it's outlawed in Texas is a gentleman ordered something that was uh, it would have been an astronomical amount. It was probably hundreds of dollars worth of food. And then once it arrived, he said he wasn't hungry and didn't eat any <laughs> of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, but that. it's crazy to me because and maybe it's just the fat kid in me thinking that though. But I'm like, you have a last meal. It's literally the last bit of joy you can have on this planet, and then you're gone. And I think like you just order one scoop of vanilla ice cream, or you order something like that, for instance, and then don't eat it. I'm like, what a wasted opportunity. This is your last moment of joy. I would milk that for every bit I would eat until I couldn't eat anymore. (laughs) And maybe we might find out there, you know, someone themselves to death. (laughs) Well, but we might find out their motivations for that in that episode. Indeed. Uh, And also Damien Eccles had talked about an individual, a pair of individuals that he saw while he was incarcerated, where one gentleman who actually committed a murder was perfectly fine 
ate heartily and was, you know, sort of living it up, going to the chair. And the person who was, quote unquote, an accomplice, but was just purely guilty by association, was vomiting the entire evening, couldn't touch his last meal and gave it to Damien because he was so nervous about his you know, sudden demise that was imminent that he couldn't eat because he was terrifying. So something to be said about that. Again, so interesting yeah. perspectives. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so yes, there. Uh, whereas Ooh. I had been a, a dry socket for quite some time, I had some thoughts that occurred to me. So if we do, if we end up going that route, we'll have to do another bit of like the time travel bit there. But in terms of like you know, what's your last meal? Yeah, that would, that be, would be fun. A good conversation, most certainly. Be a good teaser for that topic. Yes. So, if that doesn't, uh, you know, lay a few breadcrumbs to entice you back to listening to future uh, installments here as we crest towards episode 200, then uh, (laughs) see whether or not Michael's eyes are going to roll completely out of his head. But uh, that's going to be around the time when he's going to be moving wayward to the Los Alamos thing. So that was one of the reasons why I had started kind of pushing a, a little... Yeah cap for adjournment but we'll talk about that later on as we get forward but something to think about for all you folks out there but i think that is going to officially put the cap or the nail in the coffin for this evening at the very least Uh, but uh, do check in with us over at the tubes of you as i alluded to we have content winging your way every phenomenal friday and of course new episodes of the podcast every lovely monday on your preferred provider apps you can check us out there and i think we might have something for this friday as well if Michael is correct here, so there we have a, okay. We have a plethora of, of of things that we can address. I got at least one thing that we can lo- okay. talk about. So, so yeah. tune in over at the Tubes View. Find us there for uh, more scintillating fare. But uh, for the Disinformed Podcast this week, I'm Shane, and I'm and Michael. I'm Michael. <laughs> And zippity zoop, we're out of here. Oh, it's painful.